HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. No antibiotics, herbicides, or pesticides. Just pure chicken, humanely raised on a vegetarian diet. It's the natural choice of celebrated chefs. For more information, visit m.springermountainfarms.com. joining Heritage Radio Network on tour. We're your hosts. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. Jack Inslee here, loving this Monday afternoon here. It is beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful day. These feel like the last slivers of summer for us New Yorkers. We're sitting on the deck at Peg Lake Porker. There's a beautiful, gentle breeze. And uh, today we are on location with Chef Carrie Bringle, along with Steve Dresch, who's the general manager and pitmaster, also known as Carrie's right leg man. Um, so Carrie is a Nashville native who came up in a family tradition of competitive barbecue, and he's now celebrated as one of the very best of um, the barbecue chefs in the United States. He's appeared on Chopped Grill Masters and dozens of other TV shows, and his team, Hog Wild, took second place on three occasions at the Memphis in May World's Barbecue Cooking Contest, which is uh, also known as the Super Bowl of Swine. And he's been a contestant for, get this, Jack, 25 years. No big deal. Uh, you know, it's Just I th- 25. I think it's kind of a big deal. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, this actually, this year we took third place in the world in Whole Hog. Wow. Wow. Well, the world, that is. The world. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite an honor. Unbelievable. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw some rapid-fire questions. This is how we start all these interviews here in Nashville. They're easy. Uh, the, the first question, and I know you just got back from a little traveling, but what is the, uh, the last great bite of food that you had, literally, if you can think today? you know. Oh, gosh. Um, the last great bite of food I had. <laughs> Yeah, we just had my we just had my son's 19th uh, birthday, okay. uh, and we celebrated over at City House. Uh, Tandy's a good friend and uh, a James Beard Award-winning chef this year, and it was a great it was a great meal and a a great place to celebrate my son's birthday. Wow, well, we're going to see him later, so we'll yeah. pass that on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next rapid-fire question. I'm very interested to hear this one. Uh, you got to be honest. What's in your home refrigerator right now as we speak? <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> 14 I've got two milk. boys. I've got a 19-year-old boy, an 18-year-old boy, and a 15-year-old little girl. The milk goes quick. Um, I don't know as much. There, there are some meats, and some cured meats and cheeses. Uh, I'm on the road so much and over here so much that uh, I don't see as much of what's in the refrigerator. But I like uh, cured meats and, and, and cheeses. Maybe so. I should ask you the freezer. What's in the freezer? Uh, in the freezer, in I've got some Lobel's fillets from Lobel's in New York. Evan's hey. a close friend. All right. Uh, and then I've got some uh, New York strips that I cut. Beautiful. Um, and I heard Katie mention in your bio about your kind of childhood in barbecue. I'm wondering what your favorite childhood food memory or meal might be. Uh, you know, as far as from, from the barbecue world, uh, I used to go with my grandmother, and she would take me to barbecue places around Memphis. Um, my grandfather was an OBGYN, and he had grown up in Covington, Tennessee. We have a place on Pickwick Lake, which I actually just drove in from. But she would take me to the barbecue places in, in rural Tennessee and on the way down to the lake, and there was a place in Moscow, Tennessee, called Lewis's Store. And uh, they had great barbecue. My grandfather had delivered their children, and they had silver dollars in the floor. And so that's probably my most vivid memory of, of barbecue because I just remember those silver dollars in the floor, and I remember them being uh, very, very nice to us because we had had that family connection. Beautiful. All right. Well, the last uh, rapid-fire question here, and uh, we are here thanks to Springer Mountain Farms, so I have to know what your favorite thing to do with a chicken is. Well, we, so we smoke our half chickens. We do a half chicken. We call it yard bird. Uh, we smoke it, and then we hit it with our dry seasoning with a little bit of brown sugar in it, and then we serve it with a white sauce. Mm. And so that's the way we like to serve that Springer Mountain chicken, and it's, it's great chicken. Uh, we also do wings and uh we do we smoke the wings and then we flash fry them and then toss them in our dry seasoning but we do the whole wing you know a lot of people do what they call wings they're really pieces of wings we do the whole wing awesome i'm actually gonna i'm gonna sneak one more what's that we also got we've been experimenting with uh, some of our smoked chicken that we take off we'll get it cold and then we've been working on how to come up with a smoked fried hot chicken Serious business. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to sneak one more question. Uh, what? I know you just got back from Mississippi, is it? Yeah. Uh, wh- where's your favorite place to travel nearby? I know you do a lot of traveling, but uh, if you had like a, a you know anywhere you can go on a day trip. Well, if I got time to go spend time at my lake house on Pickwick Lake, that's where I like to go. Uh, it's in Iuka, Mississippi, and it's right in between Florence and Corinth. And so there's a lot of great things in Florence, Alabama, and Muscle Shoals. Uh, when we go over to Corinth uh, from the lake house, we go over to Dilworth Tamales and we get some uh, Dilworth Mississippi Delta hot tamales. And then also we'll go to maybe the White Trolley or to uh, Borum's Drugstore and get a Slug Burger. What's a Slug Burger? I have to know. <laughs> yeah, so Slug Burgers were originated in the Depression when they didn't have much money and they would take a little bit of pork, uh, lard, and cornmeal and make a a paste or, or, or mash it into a patty and then deep fry it and so it's served on like a slider so it's like a crystal but it's a it's a slug burger that sounds like a dream yeah. wow on that note uh we'll take a quick break before we get into the full interview here please stay with us this is heritage radio network on tour jack insley with katie moseman wadler we will be right back after this short break 
This episode was brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. For almost 50 years, Springer has been family-owned and family-run. Today, there are over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second, even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association's seal of approval. Springer has also led the way in testing for and eliminating all herbicides and pesticides from the chicken's feed supply. Springer Mountain farmers know what's best for your chicken. We're into that. Better feed, better care for the animals. It just makes sense. From their family's farms to your family's table, Springer Mountain Farms. For more information, visit m.springermountainfarms.com. back you are listening to heritage radio network on tour on location in nashville tennessee our guests today are chef carrie bringle of peg leg porker along with his general manager and pitmaster steve dresch um so carrie you have a tremendous legacy of barbecue in your family and you talked a little bit about your first barbecue memories as a child but what was the moment where you were first inspired that you knew you wanted to become a pitmaster yourself well, my uncle Bruce uh, used to. Uh, that's who really taught me how to cook barbecue, and he used to smoke a turkey, and and so that's the first thing that I learned how to smoke was a whole turkey, and uh, they called my they called Bruce. Uh, we called him Uncle Juice, and I thought we called him <laughs> Uncle Juice because he liked to drink a lot of orange juice. But you know, I was ten at the time, so. I found out later, you know, he was a pretty bad alcoholic, but uh, luckily he was sober for 20 <laughs> years before he died. Um, but Bruce taught me how to smoke that turkey, and I remember everybody raving about the turkey and everybody wanting to know the recipe and everybody wanting to know how he smoked that turkey. And so, you know, I think it was then that I realized, hey, you know, if you can make people happy through this food then it's really fun and it's really something enjoyable and so um bruce taught me how to smoke that turkey and that was sort of my first foray into wanting to uh deep you know dive a lot deeper into barbecue all right and uh are you doing anything as far as passing on that family tradition to your kids i am so uh i've got a picture of, of my uh, of me and my oldest son carrie uh, when he was probably about six, and we're we're cooking some briskets uh, for my friends, the Lobels. They were to go out to Aspen Food and Wine, and so my boys have been cooking with me as well as my daughter uh, since they were probably five or six years old. Uh, now, when we do whole hogs here at the restaurant, I generally uh, will let my boys handle that. They're 19 and 18 now, mm-hmm. and they under they know now how to stay up and how to smoke a whole hog, and then. Um, you know, I met Steve, uh, my right leg man, through, I had him welding a smoker that I had designed, and he got hooked on barbecue, and so I passed that on to him. Now he's running the pits mainly here at the restaurant, and then he's got his son that comes in and works with us as well. So we absolutely like to, you know, if you, if you hold too many secrets, then the next generation is not going to be able to feed their peers. So uh, we like to pass that on. How long has Steve been running the pit? Uh, well, we opened a little over three years ago. Steve's been cooking with me for 14, maybe 15 years. Wow. 
And uh, so in the last year and a half, two years, really Steve's primarily been running the pits here at the restaurant. As we work on, you know, as I work on other ventures, we've got a bourbon company, a smoker company, clothing, food products. Wow. Cool. Yeah, busy couple of guys here. Yeah. Um, Okay, this is the point in the interview where I have to make a very difficult admission to you, All right. which is that I am from the Northeast, and I don't know very much about barbecue. And I think some of our <laughs> listeners, too, might benefit from a little rundown from you about just the basics. There are so many styles of barbecue. Um, you're doing Memphis barbecue here, right? Uh, we are. <laughs> could you give us just a quick rundown of the differences between Memphis, Carolina, Kansas City, Texas, wet, dry, what that all means. And why sure. Memphis is the best. And why Memphis is the best, obviously. Yeah, so my family is all from West Tennessee. They settled in Covington in 1827, which is right outside of Memphis. They used to own the cotton gin and had, you know, 24 children. So uh, there's a lot of people to feed. Um, I, I am a we, – we, we smoke what we call real Tennessee barbecue here at Peg Leg Porker. So – uh, we stick with the traditions of Tennessee uh, barbecue. And and traditionally, the majority of the barbecue in Tennessee has come from West Tennessee or from Memphis. Mm. And so we do pork and we do chicken. We don't do brisket at all. Um, and we say, if you want brisket, go to Texas. And so um, when I was growing up, nobody in Tennessee was cooking brisket. Uh, they would tell you to go to Texas. And um, so we've stuck with that tradition. A lot of people now feel like they have to be everything to everybody they serve all different styles. They have five or six different sauces. Uh, we resisted that temptation and stuck with what we know and do best. And so uh, that's a rarity these days, but that's what we've chosen to do. Um, we haven't tried to please everybody. Uh, I love brisket. We just don't serve it. Uh, and, I, and so when you look at Texas traditions, it's brisket, uh, it's beef ribs, um, it's hot links and sausages and so I love to get that when I'm in Texas and mm -hmm. those guys do a great job with it and if it's done right it's it's divine it's it's really great stuff um, when you get into Kansas City it's more of a mishmash uh, it's gonna be you know a lot of ribs uh, and they're gonna be sort of sweeter and stickier uh, they're gonna have pork um, maybe brisket uh, then when you get over into the Carolinas you're going to traditionally see a lot of whole hog. Um, now, we've got whole hog in West Tennessee, but when we do a whole hog, we're generally pulling from the different areas of the hog based on what people want to eat. Hey, do you want some off the hams? Do you want some off the shoulder? Do you want the belly or do you want the, the loin or the midland meat? Um, in the Carolinas, they're taking that whole hog and they're smoking it and then they're, and then they're chopping it all together and they're generally dousing it with a vinegar and pepper, uh, you know, mixture. Uh, and then they, they sort of chop all that together along with the vinegar and pepper and maybe hot sauce. And then that's your sandwich. That's a different style than what we do in Tennessee. Uh, and a lot of times they'll take and they'll crisp up the skin and sometimes chop that in with it. Uh, we don't, we generally don't crisp up the skin. We just leave the skin uh, and we pull all the meat out uh, mm -hmm. here in Tennessee. Uh, so there's all different regional styles. Uh, and now you've got transplants from Texas and from Memphis and from 
the Carolinas moving to all different places around the United States, and you got some really excellent places that have opened up as a result. Cool. Thank you. That was yeah. really informative. Very useful. <laughs> really helping me out. Well, and regions are also defined by their wood. Okay. So, so in Texas, it's mesquite uh, and post oak. Mm-hmm. In the Carolinas, it's generally going to be hickory, maybe oak. In Tennessee, primarily uh, hickory. That's okay. the, the wood that's been the most readily available. Um, Kansas City, you're going to have different stuff. Up in the Midwest, you're going to see a lot of apple and peach because they've got orchards. Mm. And then in North Mississippi, a lot of times you're going to see pecan. Wow. And as you yeah. move a little further yeah. south, you see some pecan. It's a little bit lighter wood than hickory. Okay. So there's a lot of diversity out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. How easy is it to taste the difference between that? I mean, if you're, like, not well-seasoned in eating barbecue, you know, is it real obvious based on the kind of wood you're cooking with? Well, it, it, you know, it, it might be obvious. Different wood is typically suited for different cuts of meat. And okay. so we think hickory, you know, we use exclusively hickory. Uh, because that's that's real Tennessee barbecue, and that's great for our ribs and our uh, hogs and for our butts. The key to smoke is that you use it like any other ingredient, and you don't overuse it. You don't mm-hmm. want to over-salt. You don't want to over-pepper. Mm-hmm. You don't want to over-smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's where we are, try and be very cognizant of what we're doing with the hickory. Awesome. Thanks. What do you think is the biggest misconception out there about barbecue? Well, you know, uh, it, it, barbecue is, uh, you know, on one hand I want to say it's, 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 it's not rocket science. Uh, I don't want to say that it's easy. Uh, it just mainly takes patience and dedication. Um, you know, it's not rocket science. It's about time and temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people just simply don't have the patience. Mm. Uh, one of the things that makes Dresch a great pitmaster is when we first started cooking together, uh, he started on the firebox and could tend the firebox and understood the fire better than anybody else that was on our team. And Dresch has the patience. And mm-hmm. so he understood what it took to maintain that fire. And over a long period of time, a lot of people just don't don't have that don't have that ability. You want to add anything to that, Steve? Or? No, I think you said it all. I think the main thing was when I met Carrie, I was a welder by trade, and we built our smoker. So I knew it from the inside out, and a lot of people don't understand that. So I knew how to move baffles. I knew where the fire needed to be. It was just it just came to me naturally because I played with fire my whole life. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, if you could give us one tip for the amateur barbecuer, what would it be? Well, it's like Carrie said, it's just patience. You want to you get everything set up. You want to get it to running, and you got to learn how to walk away. You can't keep opening up the door. You can't keep adding more wood. You just mm-hmm. got to be very patient and have plenty of cold beer around. It helps a lot. Okay. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. It, the, the main tip we would tell people is have fun. If you're not having fun doing it, then you're doing it wrong. All right. That's a good piece of advice, mm-hmm. I think, for, for almost anything, actually. Have fun eating it, too. Yeah, that's really critical. Um, can you walk us through the process a little bit of setting up the fire? and know, How do you know when the fire is ready? And then once, um, you know, once that's going, what does that look like? Yeah, so there's, well, it, it all depends on your cooking method. So we have here at the, here at the Peg Leg Porker, we've got pits out front these brick pits that you see behind us and those are our whole hog pits over to the side you see a big chimney that we use to burn down our coals so to get these pits ready 
you would, uh, you know, you'd take, you'd get yourself about a rick of wood or a bunch of slats, you know, maybe a bundle of slats of hickory from a sawmill, and you're going to start building your fire, and you're going to build up a nice coal base, and so you're going to burn down your coals. You build the fire in the upper box. We've got an inch and a half rebar in there with about two inches in between each square hole. The coals drop down into the bottom of that firebox. We shovel them underneath the pits for the hogs. So we're going to we're gonna get the pit ready. We're going to try and get it up to temperature, up to about 200 degrees. Then we're going to put the hog on, and we're going to continue to shovel coals the entire time that hog is in there, which is going to be around 24 hours. Mm. Um, we also build our own pits. We've got the BMF 100 and the BMF 200, which are peg leg porker uh, smokers that we manufacture. Um, they're they're all charcoal and wood. So with the BMF 200, which is our whole hog cooker, we load it with a 18 pound bag of Chef Select charcoal and two sticks of hickory, and we can light the corner of that fire, close it up, close the doors. In about an hour, it's ready to cook. And then we can let it roll for about 13 hours before we ever have to touch it again. Um, it's a very efficient vertical smoker that's triple walled that is great for the jobs that we use it on. For ribs, we use commercial rotisserie pits. Yeah. And so they have a gas assist. We throw a couple of logs in. We get the logs going. As long as the logs are smoking and keeping the fire going, um, then it'll stay at temp. If it drops below temp, then the gas will come on and be gas assist. Uh, some people love to dog those pits or say that's not real barbecue. <laughs> what I would tell them is that we use the right tool for the job. Mm -hmm. And for ribs, uh, those pits work wonders because they get very even heat, very consistent. Your cook time's only about four hours. You're really not using the gas. You're mainly just burning the wood, uh, but they're a very consistent smoker and it's about what we put on the on the plate at the end of the day and yeah. you mentioned the um the bmf 200 you said you were selling those or manufacturing we do yeah. we manufacture them here in nashville uh we've got you know we've got the two models the 100 and the 200 and we sell those commercially we, right now we've got about three james beard award-winning chefs that use those uh, at their restaurants when did you make that decision say i want to get these out to some other chefs well we've been building you know dresh and i've been building smokers together along with some other members of our team uh, for about 12 years, um, we we fine-tuned the um, the design of our smokers, uh, along with our teammates uh, Dudney uh, and Garland and Dave Johnson, and um, two of those guys are engineers. So we fine-tuned the heat distribution, the way that the pit flowed, uh, and then we we landed on some models. We work with a company here in town, uh, Servitech. It's got a proprietary coating called nitroplate. Wow. And so these cookers are all TIG welded, stainless on the outside, triple walled, insulated, and then they're coated with nitroplate, which is the same coating that goes on holly headers and carburetors. <laughs> and so they are a serious Real smoker serious. unlike Real. any other in the United States. And uh, we, took them, well, we, we took the BMF 200 down to Memphis this year. Uh, it was our first time competing in the whole hog category. And on its first run out, we took third in the world. Wow. And wow. It's, it has since won another first place trophy for Whole Hog. I'm 
sure more to come. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, folks at home, you now have the tech specs. You have everything you need to know to go out there and be a barbecue master. Yeah. So uh, if anyone's up for the challenge, yeah, you just got taken I think to school. We, yeah, we just helped you out in a big way here. <laughs> um, I want to say a big thank you, Carrie, for uh, being so generous with your um, your techniques and yeah, your, yeah. <laughs> your details there. No um, problem. I want to mix it up here for a second. Uh, we have another surprise special guest here with us today. Um, Odetta Hartman is a great friend of Heritage Radio Network and also an amazing musician in her own right. And we'd love to pass it over to her to ask a music question since we are, after all, in Music City. All right. Here's hey. Odetta. I love music. Howdy. <laughs> How you doing? So we're wondering, you just said you love music. Who is your favorite musician? Um... Well, that's hard. That's like saying, what's your favorite barbecue? Uh, so there's so much out there. There's so great, you know, so much great stuff. Uh, local musician, I would say Will Hogue. I'm a huge Will Hogue fan. I think he's an excellent artist, uh, and I've followed him for a long, long time. Used to have him play at my New Year's Eve party, and uh, I think he puts out amazing stuff. So I imagine Will has been in to try your meats you know i don't know if will has been in to eat or not he's tours quite a bit um we have had a lot of musicians in uh i think the most recent that's a that's another huge favorite of mine has been steve earl um and uh he loves our ribs uh which is great (laughs) we've had uh, john oates in uh, i think jack white uh (laughs) harry connick jr Questlove. we've had a lot of uh, the Kings of Leon are, are also a, another favorite band of mine. They were in the other night. Um, but Will has uh, never made it in. Tall so Paul. if yeah. Will comes, say, next week, what would you serve him to thank him for all the amazing music he's provided? Well, our dry ribs are our specialty, so you got to give him the house. you got to give him the house favorite, I think. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we're, we're almost wrapping up. I have a few more rapid-fire questions. Uh, we've been asking every chef this little segment we call Big Ups, basically giving you a chance to give a big ups to somebody you think in Nashville or, or anywhere else is doing great things, somebody you want to shout out that's also doing good work in food or outside of food, really. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks doing a lot of great work uh, in, in Nashville. From a food perspective, uh, there's a lo- there's a, a tremendous amount of great chefs. You're about to go see one with Tandy uh, Wilson, Tracy Achi at the farmhouse does a great job. Uh, Hal Holdenbeish over at East, I mean at uh, uh, Lachlan Table, uh, does an outstanding job. There's really just so many, too many to to, to narrow it down. And you're from here. I mean, how much has the scene changed in the last five years? The scene has changed tremendously. So you know the. Um, I'm a Nashville native, and so I've watched this. You know, where we're sitting right here was an industrial area. The reason it's called the Gulch is because we're sitting in a, a gulch, you know, by, by geography, right next to the railroad tracks here. And now it's a, you know, the other, we're in the more industrial side of the Gulch. On the other side is sort of the more she-she hotspot side. Yeah. Uh, but none of this was here. And now there's... I think there are 2,500 people living in the Gulch in high-rise condos. And um, that was from some Nashville natives. Uh, Steve and Jay Turner and Joe Barker and Market Street Properties did a lot of this development down here and took a chance on this area when other people wouldn't. Uh, We took a chance on it. We bought our building down here and staked our claim. Um, 
you know, but then there's also some, a lot of great charitable organizations. We work with Room in the Inn, which is a block uh, away from here. Most of the churches in, in town work with Room in the Inn. They do a great work uh, for, for homeless men and um, trying to do, they don't just feed, but they also feed the soul. And then they also have back to work programs and rehabilitation programs. And it's just a wonderful organization that we're proud to, to support. Excellent. Amazing. Well, this last question is, is, is somewhat selfish as we are tourists. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for somebody just getting off a plane, let's say from New York, never been to Nashville, right. where are you sending them first? And it doesn't even have to be a restaurant. But well, like, the first place I'm sending them is here, yeah. Yeah. Lake Park. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the first place I'm going to send you. Um, we get a lot of people coming in their suitcases. Yeah, we yeah. get a lot of people coming in in suitcases. <laughs> Bringing you know, leftovers home uh, on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, a great place to start and relax Yazoo Brewery right behind us. Uh, they they make great beer, uh, we, and we've got a lot. Of, and so if you start at Yazoo, there's also a lot of other great breweries around here. we got uh, uh, Tennessee Brew Works and also Jackalope right within the same neighborhood. But, hey, you know, you're never going to go wrong when you start with a beer, right? Yeah, that's right, and same could be said for us today, sitting yeah. out here watching these trains go by. Really beautiful. Yeah. Really excellent. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll pass it to Katie to close us out. Yeah, thank you again, Carrie and Steve. This has been really great. Um, I want to point out to folks at home that if you want to follow these guys on social media, you can check out Facebook. They're also on Twitter and Instagram at PegLegPorker. And you can also visit PegLegPorker.com. I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for listening. This is Heritage Radio Network on tour in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find our entire series by searching Heritage Radio Network on tour on iTunes, Stitcher, or at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit organization. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. You can also keep in touch by subscribing to our newsletter and following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Take care, y'all. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. All right.